Very delighted that Paul is sharing God's word with us this morning. And I've asked him also just to say a few words about the reading the Bible through the year that's happening in their house. Was that right? Great. Go for it. I'll do this first because otherwise I forget. Um, Some of you may remember we've been reading through the Bible um, with some of the people in the church meeting together once a month to just share three of our favorite things that have stood out from each portion that we've read across that month. Um, And I thought I'll share three things that I like about the group. Um, The first is like the diversity of opinions. We've got a whole range of people coming, different ages, different races, different backgrounds. And I'm just surprised at how different the views are of the things we're reading and how God is speaking individually to each of us in that. Um, The second one is the Hartleys are incredible cooks and they have been bringing foods and it's gorgeous and it's wonderful. And there have been a couple of times, and I know we're only in April, there's a couple of times, May, sorry, where uh, we've forgotten like to prepare any food. We're like, has anyone got any food to bring? And the Hartleys have really stepped up. Um, And then the third one is something that happens when you read through the Bible in like large chunks is it's easy to fall behind. And so last time we met, we just had this time where we prayed for each other to have a passion to read God's word and just that God would reignite something that he started, we felt he started with us in January and just to pray that into each other again now that we're like in the fifth month and it's difficult to keep momentum up. And that was really special um, and sharing tips how each of us do it which is it's really personal i think it's yeah it's good so that's three things i like about it um and now the talk from the readings father god i thank you that you use the weak things in this world to shame the strong use the foolish things to shame the wise the things that are not to nullify the things that are lord as christians as followers of you we want to share the news about you. We want to share Jesus with those we love, those we care about, and even those who have problems with us or we have problems with them where there's conflict in our lives. We want to represent you. And Lord, I pray that this talk would uh, help us to do that. Amen. So... I was like going through how should I title this talk and I don't usually title the talks and it was like how to share your faith because of the Peter passage like we want to be prepared to give an answer. I was like no that's not quite right. How to live out your faith. I was like how to make Jesus look beautiful. I was like that's quite good. Um, But then we don't make Jesus look beautiful. He already is beautiful. We reveal him to be beautiful to a world. So if there is a title to the talk how to show the beauty of Jesus, and then in brackets, especially to those who are against him. Um, So hopefully this applies whoever we're sharing Jesus with, Um, but especially because the context of Peter, he's writing to a persecuted church, he's writing to a church that have fled their homes, they're in different directions, um, and they're being persecuted for their love of Jesus. So how do they share their faith? There may be as we think about our own lives, if there are people or contexts where we find a bit of opposition to Jesus, how would we share our faith? Um, my own experience of sharing my faith, as 
up and down, and I've uh, probably had more bad experiences than good ones. So reading this passage in Peter has been helpful for me um, because I need to learn how to do this. So I'm preaching to myself today. Um, there are three very simple steps in the Peter passage that we're going to look at, um, how to share your faith, how to show Jesus as beautiful, um, and then there's one caveat we'll finish with. So the first one is be zealous for doing what is good. And it says in the NIV, uh, who is there to harm you if you are eager to do good? Be zealous for what is good. That's verse 13. Verse 16, it says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Verse 17, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. As Christians, if we want to show Jesus as beautiful, let us be people who are eager to do good. I like that John passage we, we had as well. He says, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then in 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, so obeying Jesus, doing good, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him, will show myself to him. The Bible says that as we contemplate the Lord's glory, as we see him, as we watch him, we are transformed into his image with ever-increasing likeness. If we want to show Jesus as beautiful, let's gaze upon him, let's obey his commands, and then he'll be manifested to us. He will show himself to us. There's an elephant in the room in this passage as well about suffering, and it's probably worth talking a little bit about that. Verse 13, he says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Who is there to harm you? And I think as Christians, we often imagine there are people out there to harm us, and sometimes, and we use that as an excuse. I'm not going to do good because it might result in persecution. And I think Peter's asking a rhetorical question. Who is there to harm you if you are eager to do good? Are we using a fear of imaginary persecution to hold us back? Peter's saying, no. Who, who would do that? Maybe it's good for us to think, who would harm me for being eager to do good? There's not many people in my life who would harm me for being eager to do good. And if there are, those are the very people Peter is encouraging us to share Jesus with. But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you will be blessed. Therefore, have no fear. Therefore, do not be troubled. Saying, it's unlikely for you to, to be persecuted for doing good, okay? But even if you are, you will be blessed. Therefore, have no fear. Don't be troubled. For your good behavior it, it will, will put them to shame. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And I think this is a redemptive kind of shame, like the godly sorrow that Paul talks about in Corinthians, where we put them to shame and actually it, it produces repentance. So how do we show Jesus to be beautiful? First thing, be eager to do good. Second one is use words. So verse 15, it says, um, in your hearts, honor the Christ as, uh, as the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense or give an answer or explain 
to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do so with gentleness and respect. So we use actions, good behavior, we, we follow Jesus, we obey him, and we use our words, we, we give an explanation. Just tearing that verse apart, always be prepared. Maybe one of the things we could do this week is just think, why do I hope in Jesus? What's so good about being a Christian? I remember being in youth group and Smee came to visit us and he was like, when you're sharing your faith, don't try and put other people's faith down. Just tell them what you love about being a Christian. Always be prepared. To anyone who asks, believe it or not, people do ask, why are you so happy? Why do you face this circumstance with such joy, with such hope? For a reason uh, for, for a reason for the hope you have. And implied is that hope is evident, that the, the hope we have in Jesus is on display in our lives when we encounter persecution. We know that this life is not all that we have. And then do that, use those words with gentleness and respect, treating the people we're talking to with dignity, made in God's image, and, and with gentleness. God uses the weak and the humble things of this world but he opposes the proud. How often does our evangelism and our sharing our faith come across as an activity of pride where I've got the answer, you're in the wrong, with gentleness and respect? Actions, words, and then the last one is in your heart, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And I think this is probably the most important one is what's going on inside. When, when we revere Christ the Lord as holy in our hearts, we will obey. We will speak words that honor him. And those, those readings, those verses in John are really challenging. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Do we love Jesus? If we imagine him in front of us, asking us the question. I think he asked Peter himself, do you love me? Do we love him? How do we share our faith? We do, do good, be eager to do good. We, we use our words and we honor God in our hearts. We honor Christ in our hearts. And isn't that wonderful? <laughs> because that's quite a tall order, isn't it? <laughs> because I know in my own life, I'm very rarely well-behaved. I very rarely am prepared to give an answer. I don't always have gentleness and respect in the way I talk. And I think as a church, we're probably on the same page. That there are times when we aren't honoring Christ the Lord as holy. We don't do good. And often the reason we're suffering is because of mistakes we've made and it's the backlash from our own failures. I heard a, a horrible quote. I think it was Gandhi, but I don't know. He said, I would have been a Christian if I'd never met one. Our behavior isn't always up to scratch. Doesn't always portray Jesus as holy. We, had, we did a, a study in Romans recently as a church, and I know what I should do, but I don't do it, and I, I should be doing it, and I don't. It's, we know that as a church. We, we, we did the confessions earlier for the times I've neglected to obey your commandments. We're not always obedient people, are we? We don't always speak well. We're not always prepared. Sometimes we deny or hide or minimize Jesus in our lives. Sometimes we're not gentle or respectful, and we confess that. 
we don't honor Christ as holy in our hearts. But this is the good news that we have as Christians because the passage in Peter doesn't finish there. It doesn't say, be eager to do good, always be prepared, honor Christ in your hearts as lords. It's like, yes, that stuff's important. God is inviting you to do those, to partner with him, as Tom was saying at the weekend away when he threw the laundry over his shoulder and someone else picked it up. God invites us to partner with him in showing Jesus as beautiful. But we fail, and there is good news because the passage doesn't finish at verse 17 where it says it's better to suffer for doing good. It says, for Christ also suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. That's us. We, We received the forgiveness of Christ because of his righteousness. He died, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, and, but, but, but made alive in the spirit. His goodness brought us to God. His goodness will make him look beautiful, and we get a chance to partake in that. Jesus is the solution to making Jesus look beautiful, and he invites us to part, uh, partner with him. So what can we do? We can look at his example. Verse 18, it says, For Christ suffered for us as an example. In in the next chapter, it says, Therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh. Therefore, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. A few chapters before, I know I'm going fast. He says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you may follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth, for he was reviled, but he did not revile in return. He carried on. Let's follow his example as we try and share the good news. Let's listen to his word as it carries on. When it says Christ also suffered and was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which He went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Christ used words. When our words fail, Christ's words abound. He proclaimed to the spirits because they did not obey. We have heard God's words and therefore we can obey. Therefore we are transformed. Therefore we know the good news. That John 14, 21, he who has my commands and keeps them. He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and manifest myself to him. There's a connection between hearing God's words, keeping God's words, and having Jesus manifested to us. So we'll follow his example. We will listen to his words that he proclaims, and we will receive the Holy Spirit as help. And that whole John passage is about receiving the Holy Spirit. There's a verse where he says, do not worry about what you will say, because at the time, words will be given. The Holy Spirit will give us words to say. So we want, we want to be eager to do good. We want to speak and proclaim Jesus with our words, giving a defense for the hope we have. We want to honor Christ in our hearts. But when we don't, Jesus has stepped in to do that for us and to help us on the way. 
Father God, I thank you that you delight to use weak and frail vessels in your church to make, to show you as beautiful. Lord, we want to show you as beautiful to our friends and to our families. We want to be eager to do good. We want to use the words that we can. We want to honor you in our hearts, and often we fail. But I thank you that you are perfect. Jesus, you are righteous. You obeyed the Father completely. You have spoken in your words, and you honored, you honored God in your heart. Lord, may we follow your example. May we look to you. May we receive your help as we go and do this. Amen.